This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. We have kind of a different day today, and um, I'll explain that to you as we go on. I'm going to I'm going to sit for a little bit, if you don't mind. You mind if I sit? I don't care. Um, <laughs> if you said yes, I'd say, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> um, I want to get started today uh, by, by sharing with you some things that are coming up for us in the fall here at Nags Head Church. Uh, we are finishing today. It's Labor Day weekend, which for us here in the Outer Banks ends um, another really busy summer season, and uh, um, we're glad to see the summer come, and when the summer goes, we're glad to see it go, you know, because it just it really stretches us here on the Outer Banks so thin. But let me share with our guests especially what ending a summer season means uh, for us. Our church membership here, and I use the membership because I'm talking to our guests. We don't use that word here. We use the word partners and partnership, but our church membership and Nagset Church right now is a bit under, just a little bit under 200 total partners. And unlike most churches, all of our partners, to be a, become a partner of this church, you have to believe in Jesus Christ, have to have followed him in believer's baptism. You take a little quick class uh, that kind of explains our vision and who we are and what we're about. And then you, uh, you, you sign a piece of paper, say, I'm going to do my part. And, and every one of our partners, they agree and they make that commitment to serve in ministry. One part of that agreement is I'm going to serve in ministry in some kind here at Nagshead Church. And so we define ministry. Let me kind of give some definitions here. We define ministry here as serving Christ by serving others in the church. That's ministry, serving Christ by serving others in the church. And, uh, and, and so, and by the way, we define the church as the body of Christ, as people. It's not a building. Can you imagine if that storm, uh, Hermine had been, was that her name? Hermine, or his name, I'm not sure which it is. If that storm if that storm had been, uh, let's just say, a Category 4, Category 5 hurricane and come through, come through here and just leveled this building, if this building is Nagshead Church, what happened to Nagshead Church? It's gone. It's gone. But had the building been blown down and gone, uh, we're still around. Now, we might not be here today. Uh, I promise if there's a Category 4 or 5 hurricane on its way, Rick is gone. Right. To, to Kansas or Nebraska or somewhere like that, uh, but, but hopefully coming back. Uh, so the church is not the building. Uh, the church is the people who make up the family here at Nagshead Church. Um, and so because of that, we, we, the vast majority of our ministry here at Nagshead Church happens when the most of us are gathered together, and that would be on Sundays. We also do a lot of missional outreach things during the summer. We just completed a summer of doing Hukilao surf camps. I'm looking for Steve. What we have five of them, Steve. We did four this year. And uh, surf camps where we invite local young people 
um, high school, middle school kids to come and learn how to surf. We'll teach them how to surf, but we also share the gospel with them. And we did that four times this summer. Uh, we did lifeguard dinners once a month for four months. We bring all of our Nags Head Ocean Rescue lifeguards here into the lobby. We set up tables. Our folks prepare food, and we feed them a home-cooked meal, which most of them don't get all summer long. And they so much appreciate that. And uh, so we, we do that. We have folks that have participated this summer in Ruthie's Kitchen, which is an outreach to the impoverished in our community. We do Operation Backpack. We just did that last week, giving away school supplies freely to those families who need them. Those are mission activities. And mission's different from ministry. Ministry is how we serve the Lord and his people in the church. And again, in the church doesn't mean in the building. It means the body of believers. Mission, however, is defined as reaching out to those who are not yet in Christ's family. That's what mission is. And we do both here. So when somebody asks you, Nag said church partner, hey, what ministry are you in? You say, well, I do lifeguard dinners. You got it wrong. That's not your ministry. That's your what? That's your mission. That's how you do outreach. It's one of the ways that you do that. So kind of get that, get that in your mind and understand that. Ministry is serving the church. Mission is reaching out to the unchurched in the community and the world. But we do have some things that cross over. For example, what we're doing right now crosses over. Our Sunday worship gatherings are primarily for believers. But at the same time, we always hope and we pray that our folks, our partners, are inviting they're non-believing, non-churched friends to come and check out what we do at Nag Said Church. So many people you talk to and you say, hey, um, how about going to church? Oh, I tried church. Man, I, my, you know, my parents made me go to church the whole time I was growing up. I hate church. Well, you haven't been to Nag Said Church, you tell them. It's a little bit different probably than what you remember growing up. And so we try to encourage everybody to invite their friends. And if you're here today because somebody invited you, you're like, our honored guests today. Thank you for being here today. But we, uh, we invite them to come. We also see Sunday worship gatherings as an opportunity then to reach seekers and, and uh, the unchurched. Our connection groups are mostly for believers. That's when we meet in, in homes and different places about the community during the week. Today's kickoff Sunday for that. It's mostly for believers, but at the same time, we encourage and, and teach our connection groups that, hey, you know, you always need to have an empty chair so that you can, can, somebody can invite their friends and they can come and, uh, and, and see what our connection groups are about. Um, so what I'd like for all of us to do right now, everybody who is a regular attender of Nags Head Church or a partner, either one, you say, well, I'm not a partner yet. If you come to church here on a regular basis, I want you right now to grab a communication card, right? Take just about five seconds. If you're on the front row, the people behind you are going to have to hand you one. But grab a communication card. Every individual, okay, husbands, that means you're not, your wife is not doing this for you, okay? She does everything else for you on Sunday morning. She's not doing this. All right, if this is where you normally find yourself on Sunday, grab a communication card, fill in the front info, tell us who you are, name, phone number, email address especially. Those three things. And then after you get that information on the front, flip it over on the back. And down at the bottom of the card, there's those, those lines at the bottom where you can write comments or prayer requests and those kind of things. Write the name of your connection group leader. If you're in a group, you know who that leader is. Write the name of your group leader. If you're not in a group, say, 
not in a group yet, or I'm looking for a group, something like that, all right? Everybody do that. Fill that in and do that. And when you've done that, if you would, I'm going to ask our ushers to get up from wherever they are. Pass those to the aisles right now, and our ushers are going to pick those up from you. So guys, if you'll go ahead and do that and gather those cards and just take, be patient with people because some guys are trying to, how do I spell that? And, um, you know, I can't remember her name. Um, but put, uh, do that and pass those to the aisles. So go right ahead right now, pass them to the ends of your aisles, and uh, don't fold them, please. There's no top secret information on there, okay? Pass them uh, to the ends of the aisles, to the aisles, and, and, uh, and our guys are going to come by and get them. And uh, you, you can find um, our connection group leaders if you're seeking a connection group. Our connection group leaders are wearing a lanyard that says this, ask me about connection groups. And you can, um, uh, like right there, Seth has got one of those things on. All right? Ask him about his group, and he'll tell you. They meet, there are men and women in his group, and they meet in Southern Shores. And you meet on what night, Seth? Thursday nights at 6.30, right? That's it. Okay, so I, Seth, if you're interested, if you're in that part of the world, uh, that's a good group to check out. Um, they'll, be at, they'll be available to talk to you after the gathering. All right, now, small groups are really how, here in Nags Head Church, how we minister to one another. It's where we study together. It's where we fellowship. It's where we pray together. It's how we found out this weekend, now really how we disseminate information. Because how many of you found out we did not have a 9 o'clock gathering because your group leader called you? Raise your hand. All right? Good. And that, that's, we only had one partner show up at 9 o'clock. You know, he didn't know. You know why he didn't know? He's not in a group. He's not on a ministry team yet. Right? So he didn't know. And I thought, that's great. Our folks found out. And uh, thank you for that communication. Our groups take care of one another. If there's some sickness or surgery or ne- meals needed, if, you, if your, your lawn is really trashed and you say, I, I just, it's overwhelming, I got a tree in my yard, I don't know what to do about it, somebody in your group either has a chainsaw or knows how to get a hold of one. All right? That's what our groups do and help one another out. Uh, so if you live here on the um, Outer Banks, and this is how we build relationships, is through our groups. If you live here on the Outer Banks, and we even have, how many of you know where Swan Quarter is? Would you raise your hand? Swan Quarter is 80 miles to the west of us. 80 miles away. We have a group in Swan Quarter. All right? So you say, well, I can't come because I live in Hyde County. Oh, yes, you can. All right? We got a group for you. All right? Um, and I'd like for right now, for, I, here's what I want to do. All of, our, all, of our, all of our connection group leaders who are here, some are not, they're serving in other places right now. But uh, if you're a connection group leader, would you stand? All right, would you stand? Right now, stand quickly. Somebody prod them. Stand up and uh, look around. These folks, all right, they have the lanyards on. And uh, look around, you see where they are, and you can contact, talk to them later. And there are others as well uh, who are small group, connection group leaders. Thank you, guys and gals. We appreciate what you do. Hunt these people down. Now, typically, on a, for our guests, typically on a summer uh, Sunday, uh, which today is kind of the last one, we typically in Nagset Church serve um, our congregation of less than 200 serves about 600 folks right, on a typical Sunday. And that includes 100 children, by the way, from nursery through the fifth grade. Uh, and you do the math, less than 200 uh, folks in the church serving 600 uh, every Sunday throughout the summer. It takes about 100 volunteers every week to do the ministry here at Nags Church. 45 of that 100 are with our children alone. 
So you do all that math to staff all the ministry areas that make Sunday mornings happen here really takes a huge effort from everybody in our congregation. And we're always, and I'm saying this particularly to our partners, we are always looking for that number of volunteers to grow. I said it takes 100 people to do what we do here. Right now we have about 90 doing the work of 100, which means we need how many more folks right now to jump into ministry? Somebody tell me. Now I can go around the room and I can start pointing out some of you 10 people. But I'm not going to do that, all right? Not today. It takes 100, always looking for that number of volunteers to grow. And, that, and here's the reason. The more who are serving, the better we can serve and the more folks we can serve. I, I don't know of another church anywhere with those kinds of challenges. Most churches, and some of you are from churches, almost all of you are from churches somewhere if you're a guest. Most churches that have 200 members in their church typically have a Sunday attendance of about 100 or maybe less. Because they got people on their church membership that have been dead for 14 years, you know, and they just don't know it. And so and it's quite the opposite here. Uh, and, and you know that in your church at home in the summertime, your attendance typically does what? It drops. Pastors talk about the summer slump. We don't have such a thing here. We have a summer surge here at Nags Head Church. And, and why, why does, in most churches, our folks are curious, why, why does their attendance drop in the summer? And the answer is, because they're all here, all right? Where they'd rather be. <laughs> so in the summer, we are really, as a church, pushed to the max in serving and ministering. And that's not a complaint, by the way. It's a celebration. I'd rather be in a church... Listen to me. I'd rather be in a church where the parking lot is slam full and we're parking down the street than be in a church that's just maintaining. I'd rather be at a church where we're saying, where can we find an empty space? I'd rather be in a church where we say, we've got to create some new places of ministry so people can serve than be in a church that's all the time saying, we could do more ministry. We just don't have people committed to doing it. So let me say this to all of our, all of our Sunday volunteers. And, and only half of us are here because the other half are serving right now. And I really hope those who are serving, please, you ministry team leaders, please, please, please encourage them to listen to today's podcast. Because I want to say to all of you who are volunteers on Sunday, um, you, you serve, you volunteer your time, you volunteer your effort, your spirit of serving, the fact that you're willing to say, I'll do whatever it takes, which often, listen, here's what ministry does. It often takes us away out of our comfort zones. Let me say to you who volunteer on Sundays in ministry, what you do is so pleasing to the Lord, and what you do makes Sundays at Nags Head Church happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your work to the Lord. And if you have a regular place of ministry on Sundays, or you have a regular place of ministry during the weeks, during the week, maybe in a connection group, um, maybe you're on our housekeeping team and you come in during the week and get everything cleaned up for us and get the building ready for Sunday. I want to ask you to do something. If you're on a regular ministry, not, not talking about mission and outreach, you're on a regular ministry team, I want you to stand. Would you do that right now? Stand up. Everybody's on this. Uh, Y'all are slow standing up. Come on now. If you're on a regular, Jim Bailey, you have a regular ministry. I know you do because I see you all the time doing it. All right? I want you to give one another a round of applause. Would you do that? God bless you. I love these folks. Thanks. Have a seat. 
You mean so much to what God is doing here at Nagshead Church. You get it. You are, you are my heroes. You really are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And one of these days, we hope to have add a third worship gathering. We used to have one back in the old days of the little church. Some of you remember, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11, and at 1 o'clock, the preacher was dead. And so, you know, we, <laughs> we used to do that. Uh, and for us to add a third, third gathering, what would it take? About another 70 or 75 volunteers to make it happen. But guess what? And I'll say this again. If you're a partner with us and you, and you don't yet have a regular place of serving on Sunday, we have a place for you. There's lots of churches where you can go to church on Sunday, sing a few songs, maybe even drop some money in the offering and not serve, not get involved at all. Let me say, this is not one of those churches. We're not like that. We have a place for you. We want you to find it. Our next outreach opportunity, by the way, is coming up next weekend. Next Sunday is September the 11th. It's the 15th anniversary of 9-11 next Sunday. And God's blessed us here in our church with an outreach to the, uh, to the public um, first responder uh, folks, uh, police officers and, and EMS and firefighters. He really has blessed us uh, with that kind of an outreach. And so next Sunday, uh, we're going to recognize our public safety men and women in both gatherings at 9 and 11, have a kind of an appreciation day uh, for them. So if you know a police officer, if you're here on vacation and you get pulled over, as you're signing that ticket, you say to that police officer, hey, you ought to go to Nags Head Church next Sunday, you know? And uh, if you know, you know somebody that serves in any of those uh, capacities, would you invite them to come? Would you invite them to bring their families? Invite them to come. And I want to ask especially our folks who are here who are in any of those uh, services, if you will uh, come in uniform. And it doesn't have to be Class A, please. But come in uniform and so we can recognize you, bring your families. And then the following day on the 12th, we're doing it on the 12th this year because the 11th is on a Sunday, we're having our annual Patriot Day lunch. And that's when we invite all of our, our, our public safety personnel to come and have lunch with us. Our restaurants here in Nags Head provide all the food. It's catered by all of our restaurants. And it is an amazing meal. And we need some folks on that team, by the way. Where is Lori Williams? Is she still here? If you will, if you, if you will, how can we contact you? Communi grab another communication card if you want to serve help on next Monday. If you can be here in the morning and maybe in the early afternoon, we need folks to drive to the restaurants and pick up food, set up tables and chairs, and those, there's no cooking involved, all right? But if you'd like to help with that outreach, and it really is an important thing. Hey, Lori. Email, put your communication card, say Patriot Day, and put your email address on there. If you don't have an email address, give us your phone number. And just give that to someone at the Welcome Center afterwards. Thank you very much. Um, but that's an awesome outreach. Uh, let's talk about some important principles from God's Word. I didn't, didn't come just to tell you about things that are coming down the pike, all right? I want to talk to you about some things from the Word that enable us to serve the church and ministry and reach out to the community, community and mission because this is Labor Day weekend. So we're going to talk this morning about laboring for the Lord, all right, our work that we do for God. Uh, Labor Day is a celebration, a national celebration. We'll have picnics and go to the beach and, and, and all that. But it really is to, it's a day off for most of us really to celebrate 
um, those in our country who work and by working sustain our families, sustain our economy. So it's a celebration of work. So what I want to do this morning is, is take the concept of labor and apply it from Scripture to our ministry and to our, our mission here at Nagset Church and in the kingdom of God. One of the hardest working men that you find anything about in the history of the Christian faith had to be the Apostle Paul. Would you agree with me? If you read the book of Acts from the time he became a Christian and read all the letters that he wrote to all the churches, you realize how much this man did. You'll see that he worked hard as a missionary and as a leader. And for him, when did that hard work begin, by the way? It began right after his conversion. Acts chapter 9, verse 12 said, immediately, this is right, right after he became a Christian, immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God, he told them. I mean, he didn't wait. He didn't wait for somebody to come and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, come serve with us. He didn't wait for the disciples or the apostles to guilt him into finding a place to serve in ministry. He jumped with both feet right into it. He was so overwhelmed with the salvation that he just received from Christ, that he got busy working for him. Well, before long, a guy by the name of Barnabas, who was a member of that Jerusalem church, had gone up to Antioch in Syria, to the north. By the way, you know, we read and we've seen in the last couple of years how ISIS has, has either killed or driven out all the Christians in Syria. And that's a sad, sad thing. Why? Because it was in Syria that that believers in Jesus were first called Christians all the way back in the first century. Christianity has been in Syria that long. And it started right here in the city of Antioch. Barnabas went up there, established a church. The church grew rapidly, well beyond his capability of pastoring, shepherding that church. And he said, I need some help. Who can I get to help me? And he remembered meeting this guy, Paul. And he went and found him. And he said, you got to come to Antioch and give me a hand. So that's when Paul teamed up with Barnabas, and, uh, and they, they, they helped this church get established. And then they said, okay, you guys are doing great here in Antioch. We're going to take off and win the rest of the world to Jesus. And they had their first missionary journey to Asia Minor. And they went to Asia Minor, and, and there they planted churches, and, and they took new converts and taught them the basics to get them started. And they appointed pastors in all the churches. And it was hard work. Travel was not easy in the first century. There were no planes or trains or automobiles. You either went on a ship across the sea, or you traveled by foot, or you rode some kind of an animal. And it wasn't safe, and it wasn't secure, but they traveled him. But what really made it difficult for them was, was they had a, a lot of opposition from Jews who didn't like what they were doing, because these two men had been, they were Jewish, and now they believed in Jesus as their Messiah. And these Jewish people didn't like it, and they hounded them, and they followed them around, and they beat them, and they stoned them, they threatened them. That wasn't easy. They had no real financial support. How did, where did they, how'd they buy their meals? Where, where did their food come from? And how, where did they stay? They had no financial support at this time, so they would go find day jobs. They would work doing what they could, when they could, to make ends meet. Their lives, listen to me, listen very carefully to this, their lives were anything but comfortable and easy. They weren't looking for the comfortable, the convenient, the easy. And so often in our culture, in American Christianity, in 2016, if it doesn't fit my schedule, if it's not exactly what I want to do, if it takes me out of my comfort zone, no thank you. That was not Paul. That was not Barnabas. That was not the first century believers. 
Paul would go on at least two more missionary journeys that would take him into Europe. He took great responsibility for those new churches that he started, and that's why we have all these letters in the New Testament, starting with Romans and, and so forth, right down through the New Testament. He wrote them to these churches, and some of those letters he wrote from prison. <laughs> Still doing ministry in jail. He wrote letters to the churches from prison, and it's in those letters we learn something about the labor involved in ministry and mission. And I want to point out to you some of what he said this morning so that it serves as an encouragement to us, who are, especially those of us who are volunteers, and especially when we may feel discouraged about our ministries. And to be like Paul, I want to be like a cheerleader this morning for you who are serving Christ week in and week out. Number one point is this. We labor in ministry because of Christ. Why do we do what we do? It's because of Jesus to the Corinthian church. He wrote about some of what he had endured as a servant of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he said this, It was with far more labors, more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times, that he served the Lord. Now, how many of us can relate to that? Of course not. I can't. But that's what Paul said went on as he was serving the Lord. And the types of things he suffered. Uh, and it's unlikely that any of us are going to go through some of those things. But please understand, he wasn't complaining. Because he goes on to say in chapter 12, verse 10, So because of Christ, because of Christ, I am pleased in weaknesses. I am pleased in insults. I am pleased in catastrophes. I am pleased in persecutions and in pressures. It's okay with me. I am pleased with these things because of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. What a heart this man had. And he was a volunteer. What a heart he had. See, it isn't, ministry is not about us at all. It's about him. And it's about those we serve. And please understand, he, Christ, just as he was with Paul, Christ is aware of you when you're doing ministry, when you're laboring for him. Secondly, our work for Christ is what we do with our salvation. We've been given this salvation freely. Paul wrote to the Ephesians that salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9. He's given it to us freely. Well, what am I supposed to do with it? It's free. We can't work for our salvation. We can't work our way to heaven. But when we're given the grace of God, salvation is by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. When we're given this grace and eternal life, our working for him, we begin to work and serve him, shows we are growing and maturing. That's what it demonstrates. We're doing his will in our lives because he goes on, Paul does, in verse 10 in Ephesians 2 to say this, for we are his creation. Another translation uses that word, takes that word creation and says, the Greek says it means masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. And here's the great thing, which God has prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in him, them. Why did he save us? Not to be a spiritual couch potato. Not to watch everybody else do the ministry. He saved us for 
good works. And here's the wonderful thing about this. Whatever your ministry is that you're serving in, if that's where God wants you to be, it's because he planned that for you way before you were ever even saved. He had that in mind for you. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing today other than this is what God planned for me because it wasn't my plan. It must have been his, his will for your life. Those of us who are serving others in the church, whether you're rocking a crying baby in the nursery, you're welcoming someone as you give out an outline, you're setting up chairs, you're showing someone how to check their kids into Calabunga Cove, you're leading a small group, you're praying on the prayer team, whatever your ministry is, it's part of God's plan for your life. So even when it gets hard, rejoice in it. This, I'm doing God's thing. But ministry is not always easy. It's always comfortable. It was Spurgeon. You, you know who Charles Spurgeon was? He was a Baptist preacher in London, England, in the late half, last half of the 1800s. He was the Billy Graham of his day, the most famous preacher in all the world. His sermons were printed up and went everywhere in the world. There was no internet. There were no recordings. But they were written and passed out everywhere. He preached every Sunday in London in the church that he pastored to ten to 12,000 people in the 1800s. I mean, it was a mega church before we knew what that was. But Spurgeon was known to say that every Monday morning he wanted to quit. The most successful pastor in the world wanted to quit. Why? Because ministry is sometimes painful. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's stressful, especially for you ministry team leaders. When you get that text at 8.30 on Sunday morning that says, oh, I forgot to tell you I'm out of town, can't serve today, and you go scrambling to find somebody to plug that hole. It can be stressful. It's often physically tiring. It's often emotionally draining. Not everyone, ministry folks who are in here this morning, not everybody that you're going to serve on a Sunday comes through those doors filled with the joy of the Lord. Have you figured that out? And sometimes, your next point, sometimes you're going to wonder, is it really worth it? Is it? Our band practices for a couple hours every Thursday night to prepare to lead us in worship. And then they arrive here every Sunday morning at 7.30 to make sure they get it right. And they're here from 7.30 until 12.30 when they can leave. That's a lot of time. That's seven hours a week. That's almost a whole full work day that they give every Sunday. But to them, it's worth it. And you know why it's worth it? When they're up here playing and they're singing and they look out and they see you worshiping the Lord God with all your hearts, that makes it worth it to them. But I wonder what they think when they look out and they see some of you look like you're bored to tears. There's no joy in your face. There's no nothing coming out of you. And I wonder, how does that impact these guys? But you know what? It doesn't bother them. And you want to know why it doesn't bother them? Because they're serving Christ first. They're worshiping him. They're not worshiping you. They just are saying to you, come and join us and worship him along with us. Guess what? Paul wondered the same thing. Is it worth it? Is all this, th this labor and these trials that I go through worth it? When he heard that the Galatian churches, he got word that these churches in Galatia, in the central part of Asia Minor, he got word that there's some false doctrine coming in there, and there are people that are telling them, Paul had it wrong. It's not by grace that you're saved. you got to be doing these, all these works. you got to become a Jew before you can become a Christian, is what they were telling these Gentiles. And they were beginning to believe it. 
And he wrote to them in Galatians 4.11, I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Wasted. He was anxious that the Thessalonian church was falling away from Christ. He said, I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, that our work for you had been useless. Even for the Apostle Paul, then, I realized working with other Christians could be frustrating. I can tell you as a pastor, for our guests, I've been pastoring in this church for 25 and a half years. I can tell you that as a pastor, nothing makes labor for the Lord as difficult as seeing someone into whom you have poured your life turn and walk away from their faith, turn and walk away from their church, because you wonder, was all that time wasted? Serving those who weren't growing made Paul wonder, why in the world do I work so hard sometimes? But Paul also knew this. Please get this. Serving Christ is a labor of love. Here's why I do it. It's not to make me feel good. It's not to make me feel like I've accomplished much in my life. It's a labor of love. He knew these Thessalonians had been through some hard times and that they wouldn't continue to endure those things. And he remembered their hard work with them. He wrote, we recall, we remember in the presence of our God and Father, your work of faith your labor of love, and your endurance of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there seems to be, to me, a formula in that verse. Can you see it? It's this. Work for the Lord is done in faith. We work because of our faith, and it's done in faith, believing that God will increase it, believing that God will bless it. And we might not always see, by the way, you ministers here in in, in Nagset Church, you might not always see the results. But faith is believing in what? Things unseen. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us? We labor for the Lord, the second part of the equation, because we love him and his people. It's a labor of love. It's not for reward here. It's not for pats on the back here. It's not for crowns that we got get here. It's not for promotion or thanks or the praise of others. We labor simply, he says, because we love Christ. And when you love Christ, you also love his body, his people. And when we have the faith coupled with the love, then it gives us this endurance that comes from hope that's found in Christ. How do we keep putting up? You know what? There are people that have labored in this church, ministered in this church for decades. They preceded me. And you know why they continue to do ministry here? They've learned that this endurance, it comes from hope that I have in Christ. That's what keeps us from quitting. That's what kept Spurgeon from quitting. Hope in Christ. And while laboring for the Lord does not give us eternal life, again, we don't work for our salvation, the Bible does teach us this next point. Everybody will be rewarded based on how we serve. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, And he explained how every Christian will one day, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is talking to you and to me, every Christian will one day stand before Christ to give an account of what we did with the new life he gave us. I gave you this new life. What would you do with it? Some, Paul writes in that passage, will be rewarded by Christ. Some will stand before Jesus, and he's going to give you rewards. And Paul 
symbolizes those rewards, and it may be literal, I don't know, but he says gold and silver and precious stones. He said, but some will stand before Christ, and their what they thought was working for the Lord on this earth adds up to nothing more than wood, hay, and stubble. And he said, and it's all thrown into this fire to judge the works. And he says, some people, after the fire burns, and Jesus is standing there, and he looks and says, look at all this this gold and silver and precious stones that you have. Thank you for serving me like you did. This is your reward. But he says others will stand there and they'll have nothing but a pile of ashes because they did not use what Christ gave them to serve him. They'll receive nothing. And, And I'll just tell you the truth. I'm just opening up about Rick here. That motivates me more than anything else, knowing that one day it's going to be me and Jesus And him saying to me, okay, Rick, tell me about your life. What would you do with that salvation I gave you when you were 10 years old? What would you do with it your whole life? He's given me everything freely. And he simply wants, he really wants to reward us on that day if we serve him well with our lives. I don't want to stand before Jesus and look at him and look at a pile of ashes because I brought nothing in my hands to heaven. I brought no people. I brought no ministry. Uh, see, what you do in ministry is, is something you're investing in, eterni- in, t- in eternity with that. I want him to say to you and to me like Jesus told that parable about the talents. I want him to look at me and say, Rick, or whatever your name is, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to, I don't want to shame him. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want him to look at me and go, dude, you could have done better. That motivates me. The next point, Christ can use your labor for his kingdom. Here's the passage I want you to turn to. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. If you're using the Bible that's in the chairs or under the chairs, it's page 894. Matthew chapter 9. Christ can use your labor for his kingdom. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, the crowds were showing up everywhere he went. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were weary, because they were worn out, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Does that describe people today, by the way? Man. And then he looked at his disciples, these 12 men, and he said, hey, guys, please get this. The harvest is abundant. Look at the crowds. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. It was as, as if the, though he was saying to his disciples, hey, guys, there is a huge job that needs to be done. People need a relationship with me. They need a shepherd. They need my compassion. They need encouragement. They need rest. They need to be brought to me. But there are so few willing to do the work. And as I look out at this church, Nagshead Church, as I look out at our community and, and our world I can kind of understand what Jesus meant. And he said two things would have to happen if our world's going to be reached and if people are going to become part of his kingdom. Did you get those two things? First, he said, pray. 
to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. That was the first thing he said. The second thing, you have to read between the lines. But the second part is this. We have to become those workers. Why? Isn't praying enough? It's rather hypocritical, don't you think, to pray, Lord, send out the workers. Lord, find everybody that needs to fit all the holes in all our ministry teams at Nag said Church. Just don't ask me. How far, how far do you think that prayer goes? I'm too busy with other things, but I'll pray. I'll give, Lord, in the offering, but somebody else is going to have to serve, just not me. I can't imagine the Lord accepting that very well. It's rather hypocritical. And I don't know about the ministries of other churches, but I do know about this one. And what I know about Nagshead Church is that there is an amazing team of servants here. Amazing team of people laboring week after week together as a team to get Christ's job done in this time in this place. And I also know this, because I know some of you who minister, and I know what's going on maybe in your ministry. Sometimes it's painful, isn't it? And sometimes the truth is, and this happens with me as well, I'm just telling you, because I know it happens, must happen with you. We're not that different. Sometimes we forget just why we work like we do. And we can't, what we cannot do is get our eyes on ourselves. And I know this about our ministries here at Nagshead Church. There is always room, listen, for one more on your team. Always room. And I know that if he saved you, he's called you to serve. I know that if he saved you, he has a plan for what he wants you to do. I know that if he saved you, he has a plan that one day at the judgment seat of Christ, he wants to reward you. And if he doesn't reward you here, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes we have to wait for the reward. If he doesn't reward you here, I know he's going to reward you before his throne in heaven. And I'm looking forward to the day when we're all gathered in heaven for this great, this uh, judgment seat of Christ. And, and, uh, and, and he looks at the angel next to him. He says, okay, who's next? And the angel says, Nags Head Church. And as he calls you up one by one, and he says, hey, Rick, come here and stand beside me. And he calls you up, and, and, and I'm looking forward to the day when he just dumps gold and silver and precious stones on you. And he looks over at me, and he says, give me a high five, Pastor. Man, that guy was in your church? He rocks. Look at all he did. Look what all she did. And a lot of what he did and what she did, nobody knew about. Did you know that they did, they did this, Rick? No, I have no idea. I'm looking forward to that day for you for the glory of Christ. It's Labor Day weekend. We celebrate labor. I want us to celebrate laboring for the Lord today. So would you take, this is Labor Day Sunday. And would you today just say, I want to celebrate those who labor. I want you to find other people in our church that you know are doing ministry. And I just want you to take a moment and find them and say, I really want to thank you for what you do for the Lord.
You make it happen. Would you do, don't come to me. All right? Please leave me alone. I get all the all the pats on the back I need all the time. I don't need any to, I want you to recognize one another today. Your labor in the Lord. And maybe if you're not connected to ministry, maybe it's time for you to go to work. Let's pray. Always, God, when I, when I read Paul's words and I think about his life and what you did in him and through him in that time, in that place, with all that he went through and all the obstacles and all the reasons why he could have said, gee, Lord, this is just too hard. I'm glad that Paul was a doer. I'm glad that Paul saw the glass half full. I'm glad that Paul said, I'm not going to let other things discourage me. I'm not going to let people's responses discourage me. I'm glad that Paul said, we work not to please men, but to please God. And I want to learn to be more and more like Paul and follow him as he followed Jesus. And I pray, God, that we as laborers here in Nags Head Church, workers, would capture that vision, would Say, I, I, whatever it is, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to do it. It doesn't have to be in my comfort zone. It doesn't have to be something that I feel super suited to do, God. I just want to help get the job done for your kingdom, for your glory, that people, men and women and boys and girls in this generation can come to know the salvation that you've given us. That's why we're here. So we can help new Christians grow. It's an important task you've given us, and it takes labor, and it takes laborers. Not only, God, will we pray today for more laborers, but I hope and pray that maybe some would realize I need to get on a team. There's something I can do and get her done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world. 